0: So we we are back uh episode 23. It seems it seems like I'm just losing count here. We're doing uh, so many and we kind of were backwards
1: on the last one. I know we got them confused 21 yeah, and 22 well, cuz we were waiting cuz uh, I was traveling. We had yeah, you were traveling and we had your like kind of in the vault. I, I
0: have been on a east coast journey. I don't want to say tour, I don't want to say vacation, I don't want to say any of that stuff but because it started with uh The Steve Weinbergers, Steve Weinbergers, and our fitness workshop for to kick off the season for the competitive shows, NPC shows, which was amazing. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But went over to visit my family in Mass. Mm -hmm. Uh, Got to see my brother's, sister's, mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, First trip being back since the the death of my father, which was a little. I did go visit my dad at his grave, and then uh, went to Florida. For a few days and got to see a few people there and it was kind of cool but let's let's talk a little bit about the seminar that we attended
1: yeah so i flew up there the day before and you know going up to new york's never easy because there's no there's no good routes there for us for united you know, no so i had to go to san francisco and then san francisco to newark and then i had to take an hour and a half uber out to Sayasa because it's out on long island you know yeah. when people think oh you're going to the you're going to new york they don't realize. Well, you're not going to New York City. You're going outside. So, got up there, and it's always, I always love going to that gym because it's like it's got history, just like Gold's Gym in California. It's it's better. It, it's got more history, visible history, because he's got everything on the walls. It's but yeah, a lot of
0: memorabilia. Yes, it's like being in my office times yes. hundred. Right, it actually has probably more pictures in my of me on that wall than. My office, and yes. you know, Steve and Bev and their crew up there. How just, long has that gym been open? Do oh, sh- you know? I mean, I think well over 30-plus years. It, did it open in the 80s, 90s? Uh, I believe in the 80s, I think. he could probably He's going to probably watch us and correct us. but I'm sure. That's um, why I'm not saying because I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I know it's, and listen, Steve, we'll get you on here when you come out. of course. I spoke to him about it. I oh, really? Said, you come on the podcast, yeah, he goes,
1: yeah. I normally don't do them, but I'll come for yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so um, I got to train. I actually went in early. You, you yeah. came a little later, but I went a day early just to work out, mm-hmm. and I was able to film and whatever, but um, being on that equipment out there, I mean, they got some old school, new school. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just have that vibe, you know, the clanking weights, which we don't get a lot of in Vegas no. now, you know, because no. we have polyurethane plates. Uh, just, it was awesome. I got to train on Friday, and, you know, the weather was um, was actually better than what I expected. It was a little yeah. cold it was freezing actually when the dogs were even, you know, we took the dogs with us. They were pretty cold, but you know, we were all grouping up for this Saturday seminar, which I know you flew in for. And Mm -hmm. you know, we had a huge, huge turnout, probably our biggest ever. And this thing started like over 10 years ago where it was a meet and greet for me just to, to have a spot for that meeting inside the Mecca East coast Mecca, which, you know, Steve has branded. Uh, and it now, Kind of migrated to this workshop, so I had a lot of familiar faces in there, you know, with Arash, and, Mm -hmm. you know, Sadiq came out, and Juan Morel, and, you know, we had Juliana in there, we had Jen Dory flying, Yarishna came in, I mean, everybody was there. Sister Nino came. Dan Solomon. Yeah, Dan came out from the Olympia, gave away a couple tickets. And, you know, we all get to speak a little bit. I was a little short with the speaking, but, you know, it gave people the opportunity to ask the questions, but more importantly, um, build up the confidence for people to get on stage. And I think now with the divisions, you know, we have a lot of opportunity for people to compete. Mm-hmm. And they got to work out for the day. You know, Steve said try the, try the gym out and, you know, just kind of be around the culture. And I think people are excited about that, especially after being locked up. We, like We haven't had this for like a couple years now. Yeah. So for us to actually be able to be back at it, mm-hmm. and be able to um, share the experience with all these these people that have been there before, and a lot of the familiar faces. So if you remember, I opened up the, the thing, said, "Okay, who who here yeah. has competed, who has not," and you see a lot of first time people, uh, and you know it was just it was great, it was
1: great. I I noticed like while you guys were up there speaking, I kind of looked around and I was paying attention, and people legitimately, you know how sometimes you go to certain events and. People are there just to be there, but people are just sitting there and they were glued to whoever was speaking, and they were really absorbing it and taking it in, like they really wanted to get this information from each person that went up there.
0: Yeah, I mean that was the biggest star seminar we had. I mean, how many people do you think it came? was? I mean, I think four hundred plus probably rolled yeah. through there. Remember, people came and went. Yeah, uh, but we had a lot of people that were. If you noticed, I mean, I knew you were filming. We have it, which we're going to be launching yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were compiled in where the cardio was, so they couldn't even get to the yes. boxing ring where we were all stationed. And, uh, you know, I got to take a lot of pictures after. Um, hot, a lot, heard a lot of great positivity. They yeah. talked a lot about the podcast. So I want to thank you guys, um, you know, yeah. for checking it out and following along. We've had great, great success with it. But, you know, what I took away from that, from that seminar is, you know, it, it kind of brings me back to the early days and being uncertain about, Am I capable to step on stage? And I think when when people approach me about, hey, I want to get into competition, but I feel I'm not ready. And the truth is, is like they always think they need to be bigger. I'm going I'm going to refer to the like the bodybuilding side, or so. even like men's yeah. physique classic, uh, from the male side they're always asking me like, Hey, I need to put on more size. And you know, that, that turns over to be the next year. And then the next year, because, Oh, I'm not big enough. People never think they're ready. But what I try to tell people is anyone can compete because we have so many levels now in divisions and there's novice, there's obviously open. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even for the teenagers, you know, 18 plus, you can compete. You, you know, you have, Have a starting point. We all start dieting like four months out, so it's 16 weeks. And as you chisel down, the lighting on the stage, you know, you may drop 20, 30, sometimes 40, 100 pounds sometimes, but the cuts will make you appear so much bigger. How many times have you looked at someone on stage and said, wow, that person looks, especially when you first started watching bodybuilding shows, how incredible they look, but then you see them like, in front of you, and you're like, wow, like oh, they're not even that big. Yeah. But under the lights, the contours and the cuts, you know, and then the, of course with the with the oil and and the deep tan, mm-hmm. it brings out so much detail. Yeah. So you appear so much bigger. I mean, that seems to be. Were you ever a victim of wanting to get on stage? I know you never competed, yeah. but did you ever think I would maybe if I got a little bigger or my course, legs were bigger?
1: I I wanted to compete when I was younger, and there's a certain point where I remember looking in the mirror and with anything I do in life, if I don't feel I can be the best or one of the best, I don't do it. And I remember looking in the mirror and going, okay, I have high lats. I have my right leg and left leg are different because I have a bad scar on my right leg. And I'm never going to be able to look a certain way that I think I need to look to be competitive. So I just decided I'm not, I'm not going to compete because of that. I believe I could get as big as anybody. I mean, I was almost 290 pounds when I was young, but and i'd go to the gym and i was as strong as anybody anyone around but i just knew i didn't have what it took i know but what you said you were 290 yeah okay was it a good weight or? It was, it was, I was, I could lightly see my abs. So it wasn't like I was. Tre- I know, but what
0: made anything. you want to train to get bigger? Why did you want to be
1: 290? I mean, did I you I wanted just... to be a pro bodybuilder. Okay. And it was, it was more. I know, but being a pro bodybuilder means you
0: got to get on stage. Oh, of course. Bro. Of course. <laughs> no, I did.
1: I, I trained to get there and I thought, okay, yeah. I'm going to compete one day. But then I just hit, reality hit me to where some people can't look and see things for what they are. They say see things for what they want them so, to be.
0: So so I'm not speaking out of context. You understand where I'm coming of course. from where so many people say to me, and I listen, I never would have competed. I'll yeah. be honest with you. I probably was victim of that. But when Andy Stratus at Gold's Gym Worcester mm-hmm. said to me, If you compete in the in the Gold's Gym contest we're having, it was a it was a closed contest for the gym only. Yeah. If you compete in this, I'll comp your membership. And that's why I did the show. Yeah. And that's where I got the bug for the first time. I finished second to a guy named Matt Christopher. A lot of you guys in Worcester, Mass. Will remember, he was like a legend in our area. He won every local contest. Yeah. And I was second to him. And I was like, wow, getting under the lights and the confidence and people saying, oh, you look good. Yeah. And, and looking back, I wasn't in shape. To compete at a contest necessarily, but I didn't know how to diet either. Yeah. And then I linked up with Chris Asito, and Chris Asito taught me the right way, and then I got into the uh, Iron Bodies Invitational or whatever it was in New York, Schenectady, and then I competed at the Teen Nationals. You know, I did a qualification show like a couple weeks prior. And I was at the Teen Nationals winning Mm and. That's when I kind of caught the bug, but it was really when I flew to California a month later and walked into Gold's Gym Venice, and I said, this is what I want to
1: do. But it took me a while to but build you, the but confidence. You could, you could, but when you looked at yourself and you looked <laughs> yeah. at yourself in the mirror, there was a different, like when I'm comparing, you knew, okay, I'm here and I have the the structure. I have, the, I have what it takes to go to the next level, and the next yeah. level, and the next level. I'm sure you didn't think I'm going to be Mr. Olympia one day at that point, but some people... Are, are, i'm just realistic i wouldn't have been good so that's why i never did it yeah but i love to train and i would go train with everybody and so i just never competed
0: hey can you pull up JMac, the 93 teen nationals jay cutler so 93 how old that was that the one with you and branch and yeah i was 18 so you can kind of see where i was i mean look at this right here if we can have some images Yeah, like like it, but if you go to um, look at that. Go to the one with the collage of pictures. The yeah, this is me
1: backstage. I mean, you can kind of see the structure was there, right? So when you look at someone there, like I look at that and go, okay. I mean, look at your look at your legs already. Your legs then at nineteen were bigger than some pros are right now. Crazy, right? So so you knew you had what it took, and you see that, and you just go, okay. As he progresses and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. He's got the physique. No difference than if you looked at like a Phil Heath for his first show. He had the. I you was. Can tell you she, the I strung. was two
0: fifteen here. Two fifteen.
1: My mom bought me those
0: trunks. Those are Andreas Cowling trunks. We were just talking about this. I just visited my mom when I was back in Worcester, Sterling, actually, and she's like, you know, I used to buy those trunks. I said, yeah, but you bought me the pink ones and the those are neon, like the neon green and, like, man, I left Chrisasitos. Like I flew from Chrisasitos in Maine. <laughs> Down to straight to North Carolina, my mom and my sister Carrie went, and we all, um, you know, were down there competing at the teen nationals. And I look now, and I was like, you know, I dieted pretty hard for that. And who uh,
1: who else was in that show with you? Caprice Murray, do you remember, remember Caprice yeah. Murray?
0: Yeah. Uh, God, there was so, there was a few names in there, but Branch won the the light heavies. I was a heavyweight. That's before they had super heavy. So you know that was the beginning and. I, like I said, I don't think I would have competed if I wasn't coaxed into it because I didn't really necessarily have the confidence either. So, what I took from this seminar is there's a lot of people out there that that want to believe that they are great, mm-hmm. um, but they're just not confident. So when I speak to them, mm-hmm. I notice how much they pay attention to, uh, you know what I say. And hey, we all started that way. And what I that's what I love to talk face to face with people yeah. because it's so real, right? Because I can, I can, I can literally like envision myself as that person yeah. and it takes confidence. But once you get up there and you get the hang of it, it's I like think a lot of people,
1: ever. I think in w- one thing too, like some of the people I trained there at Steve's gym, that gym alone just motivates oh, you. So motivating. You know, I was just thinking about that, you know, here, Steve's had this gym for 30, 40 years, however long it's been. And you and I were training and Steve came over and he legitimately said, what do you think of the gym? Is there anything you like or don't like? Is there some equipment? Like he's been around for so long and he still wants to know what people think. Still thinking, how can I make my ridiculously iconic gym even better? Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that struck, like I really paid attention to that. Like Steve really, he really wanted to know what you thought. Obviously yeah. we know the gym's amazing. But not many people. Yeah, he always calls me and asks me what's what's out there for equipment. Yeah. And, you know, it was just really
0: good to spend some time and and you know we end up flying over, we end up going to Juan's new Juan's opening restaurant. a new restaurant. Yeah. So my cookie dealer Juan Morel, him and Karen open up their first restaurant, which was awesome. Yeah. They, that was they, great. They had a like huge dinner for us, and yeah, we got to eat and you know congratulations. I think they're opening t- today. Yeah, yeah, Valentine's, Valentine's Day, day yeah, was So Today's grand the first day of their grand opening. So. Congrats. Shout out to them and the Reserve uh, Restaurant in yeah. Long Island. So uh, so that, the next day
1: I flew, I left and flew home, and then you went Yeah, to I went Boston. to Boston,
0: and I, I went to see my family and, you know, got to visit with my mom some. And, and like I said, I went and spent some time visiting my, my dad's grave site. And, uh, you know, I got to kind of get back in the mix of where I kind of came from, get to sit with my brothers a little bit. And uh, it just brings back a lot of memories. So I, I grew up in Sterling, Massachusetts, and it was a super small town. I went around and looked at some property, actually, while I was there just to see. Because, <laughs> no, I just, you know, it's funny. My brothers are in the concrete business. You know, that's how I kind of yeah. got into all the construction stuff. But uh, they actually have million-dollar-plus homes in Sterling, Mass. And for me, I'm kind of blown away because it's it's so far from Boston. And it's kind of like a very small, like a farming community. So for them to have extreme houses like that, yeah. I always wonder, you know, how people afford that if they're not migrating to, you know, what kind of business they're running. And I mean, we're talking 1.4, 1.5 million for homes there. And as you know, I mean, that's getting up there, especially in the East Coast. Uh, so I went to check out some of the properties, and my brother asked me the same question. I said, "Oh yeah, I took a ride up to Kendall Hill, and I looked at some." He's like, "You thinking about moving back here?" You know, <laughs> he thought I was crazy because you know they look at. <laughs> They look at Vegas and they're like, "Why would you ever leave there?" You know, they're every, probably they're thinking how to yeah, get out of here. Yeah, because they're, <laughs> you know, they're they're all in their early sixties and, you know, they're winding down. You know, my brother's a big farmer, and my other brother kind of just works, you know, running the business and the back end. And, you know, it's pretty amazing what they've kind of built, but at the same time, like they don't know anything but all gas with what they do. Like of they course. work all the time. And if they're not working, you know, they're doing stuff around the house or. You know, they're very involved with their grandkids and whatever, Uh, but just different, a lot different lifestyle than me, a lot, a lot different. And uh, it was just great to go back. And I was very, very nervous about going back in February, to be honest, because of the weather. Uh, But it was actually, it was bearable. And then, of course, Angie and I flew to Florida for like three days after and, you know, was able to go train at a couple of gyms. I trained at Iron University, which, you know, Laura Lee's training at and, you know, although he took care great care of us there, and, you know, we went out and trained at the uh, TLF gym out there uh, with that clothing brand and was able to check that out, and I got to see the old guys at BPI and mm-hmm. meet up with Whitney and the crew there, and it was pretty cool. It was just uh, all in all. The weather was great. It rained the first day, but, you know, Florida's getting busy, man. It's just, the traffic is like, I, I felt like I was in L.A.
1: Yeah. The last, every time I go to Florida now, it's the same yeah. thing. It's like. I but I stayed
0: you. in, I stayed in Hollandale beach. Um, and it's kind of funny cause I was talking to Chris Acito about, you know, the history and he's like, you know, years ago that wasn't the best place, but now it's, you know, yeah. built up and, you know, everyone seems to be flocking there. And of course they said the snowbirds are here, meaning yeah. like all the people from the, all the East coast travel down. North, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, we got to spend some time and, and kind of just eat some good food and, you know, and I'm uh, still working and doing my thing. And we just got back uh, yesterday, which is great. Happy to be you back. Ready to, ready to get back on the road again? No. You're done. I'm glad I'm done for a minute. <laughs> you know, I, I get sick of the, the travel time. And, you know, yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday, so I actually caught the second half of the game. And I wasn't...
1: You know, I was betting, like... I know. Because the whole way up to it, you're like, I'm betting 20 grand. I was like, don't do it. So afterwards, you're like, no, I'm going to win. I'm going to win 50 if I bet 20. I know. I'm so glad. It was 52 grand with 20, you know. And I was going to bet the
0: bangles. So when you texted me... (laughs) I said, don't do it. (laughs) No, you texted me, like, uh, are you you, you broke? And I'm like, I'm going to be. I was joking because my bet would have been bad because... As you know, and J-Mac, did you watch the game? Or, I mean, until the very end, it was like all bangles, right, pretty much. But <laughs> actually, they kind of flopped co- the last cup. you know, after Anytime half, someone
1: I, hits when you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to win 52. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, but if you lose, you just lost 20. So 20. I should have <laughs>
0: stuck with Drake's bet and done the whole thing with the Rams, huh? Or just don't bet at all I mean, keep never, your money. No, <laughs> I know. that I, I'm up for the season. So I said, you know what, I'm going to leave it alone. And I didn't because I didn't plan on watching. I was here uh, shipping Yesterday, I actually, ran Good. right back to the office and uh,
1: yes. Yesterday, it was the first Super Bowl. I didn't watch any of it, nothing. I watched the halftime show, and that's it. I just it's pretty cool. I that's, just oh, a lot of old school stuff. Of course, that's that was my that's like my generation. Yeah. Dre came out when I was in middle school. Like, I was, I I, I was surprised it? to see Fifty on there though. Did you see all the memes with Fifty afterwards? No, no, because he's fat, so yeah. they're like inflation. It's not Fifty really? cent anymore. He's a dollar fifty now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> dude, <he> was... <laughs> well, Dre isn't in crazy shape anymore yeah, either. Yeah, but Dre's old. No, I mean, dude, I'm, f- I mean. He's older old than he? you. I know, but remember when he was jacked, when he showed up at yeah. the. Yeah, didn't Stan, Mexico, who trained? Yeah, Stan, Stan McQuay. McQuay. train yeah,
1: him, yeah. He trained him. I think Flex Wheeler did something. You know,
0: Eminem M&M looks pretty solid still. And yeah. but 50, like, why are you wearing a tank top like that? Yeah, he was into, you know, he trains at Gold's Venice sometimes when he's out there, yeah. Yeah. I was, it was always a fan. I love his show. I love the Power Show and you know Book of Ghost and all that. So you uh, like all the old school shit. Yeah, you know that was the music I used to train to in my home gym. I had you know Snoop Dogg and I had you know Dre and 2001. The Chronic was like the yeah. CD that I used to play all the time, and you know brings back a lot of memories. So I know a lot of people didn't like the halftime show that I knew, like they were questioning. But I thought it was it was fitting for LA. And- of course you know, for where it was and but Dr. I, Dre I, has an imprint. I, I have to admit I was rooting for the Bengals to win it just because I think yeah. it would have been great uh for, you know, Cincinnati and mm-hmm. I was I, I was kinda surprised though because they showed LeBron and he was extremely happy for LA. I mean, well, he lives in LA. I know, but he's from Ohio,
1: so I figure, you know. Oh, that must have been a tough one for him.
0: Yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of like, I was thinking, okay,
1: he would be rooting for. And then, so he Cincinnati. was rooting that, but then he broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time record over the weekend and because of the Super Bowl. It's yeah, even they showed,
0: they showed him, and they didn't say anything about the record yeah. being broken, mm-hmm. and we talked about that was a little bit So is that is by- that is
1: that why you did that old-school picture of you and Ronnie? Were you reminiscing, thinking of a. Now,
0: let's pull that up, though, Jay, if we could, uh, on my Instagram. So, you know what? I don't know. Maybe it's subconsciously I like. Because you're thinking about
1: music back in the no, day. No, you know,
0: I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning, and I looked at my Instagram, and I said, okay, what could I put on here? And I came across this picture, and this is the 2001 Olympia at Mandalay Bay. Uh, my, my, I competed for the first time at Mandalay Bay 99, but this was 2001. We're still competing there. And this is, I said, the beginning. Yeah. And I said, when your idol becomes your rival. And I've often said that quote because I idolized Ronnie Coleman. Like he was the guy that I, you know, I started with Dorian Yates and then of course, Ronnie won the Olympia. And that was the guy that I followed, but this is when I actually got to stand toe to toe on U.S. territory. I did this in in Europe a year before, when we went on the European tour. But for the first time, we got called out together. And and I always talk about the circumstance, and sometimes circumstances, everything. So the little backstory to this, mm-hmm. okay? If it, we can't see the numbers there, but Ronnie and I drew consecutive numbers that year. Yes. Which was a was was a fortune for me because we all li- line up, yeah. Before they do the callouts, yeah. And when I stood next to Ronnie Coleman, it was like I looked so incredible from the front that year. I do not think if I was like if we were number one and two. I don't. I don't. I can't see the numbers, but it might have been one and two actually. Uh is it one and two? Okay. If I was ten, I don't know if I would have got this opportunity. You might not have. Because we talk you about... You might have been overlooked. Yes. yes. Has there been some overlooked of competitors in shows? Yes. Usually, like, listen, I have to credit the judges because they can usually tell physiques. Yeah. But when you get to that level, I still felt having a name on behind you, like you have been there prior, it definitely carries weight, right? But in this circumstance, I was eighth the year before here. Yeah. And here I was placing...
1: You know, I, you know I've always said this, and sometimes people don't understand what I mean by this. With any great success, there's always an element of luck that you might not have known about. Whether someone met someone at the right time or whatever, but like you said, if you wouldn't have got called next to Ronnie, where they were forced to see you next to him, would you have ever got put next to him? I don't know. And that's that 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 luck of that number. Potentially could have changed the trajectory of your whole career. So, if you would have got, if you would have been out in the second call out or maybe the second line, you might not have ever gotten that opportunity and you might not have became the Jay Cutler. Yes. That we know.
0: So, this was a huge, huge leaping point and controversial this year. I feel I should have won that contest. I, I was ahead by prejudging. This is when they had prejudging on Friday. Friday. Uh, they No, they, maybe they had it in the morning. I think they had Saturday morning, Saturday oh, night. Okay. And I was ahead by 6, and he came back at night. This was after 9-11, and this show almost got canceled, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, because the 9-11 tragedy happened six weeks prior to this contest. And I remember Vegas was on heavy alert for possible terrorist attacks, and they talked about the Olympia. Was it going to take place? Well, I kept going. I kept training. I... Came down from about high 280s to compete at about 260 in this condition Mm -hmm. um, in a week's time. I was very, very big. I was conditioned early. At 10 weeks out in this contest prep, I was ripped. Mm -hmm. I was already in crazy shape at 10 weeks out. Wow. Um, I started my training at 20 weeks because I was so motivated because Chris Asito was in my corner telling me, you're going to win this contest. and. When I get to stand toe-to-toe with Ronnie, and you see this comparison, this is the first pose, the front double bicep. Um, you know, I, I hung pretty strong with him, and it was from the backside where he was still a little more dominant, mm-hmm. but the judges saw me as potentially the winner in the prejudging. Yeah. And this built my confidence a lot, to go back to the confidence thing. Uh, this is where I knew I was solidified, and this is the first time this – actual contest was the first time I realized that I could be the best bodybuilder and win the Mr. Olympia, because now the judges would give me the recognition. Yeah. And I was looking at myself in comparison to Ronnie and people tell me, yeah, you stacked up great. You know, you're, you, you know, you are head by points. I mean, so obviously I felt that I had it now granted, uh, you know, we saw later, I challenged Ronnie every year and fell short after that. Mm -hmm. I sat out 2002 um, but you know, this is where my career really started to take off. I won sixty thousand dollars at this contest. That was the second place prize. And today, that money's about one hundred fifty.
1: I think it is one
0: hundred fifty. So first place was one hundred ten, and second place was sixty. At this point, now it's four hundred thousand for first, and it's one hundred fifty. So we've seen the transition in twenty plus years. Yep. You know, the prize money has gone up. Not. Not a huge, I mean, it's it's gone up quite a bit, but you know, this was this was the heyday of bodybuilding. If you look at some of the comments on there, people will say when bodybuilding, like I don't think there'll ever be. Will there ever be another rivalry like Ronnie Coleman and myself?
1: No, because because there was never someone who I don't see anyone right now that's that dominant like Ronnie was, and there wasn't somebody that was coming up because you were still in your twenties there. Yeah, I was twenty. 28, 29? twenty-nine? Seven. Twenty-seven. There's somebody coming up in their twenties yeah. against somebody that people looked at the physique as potentially one of the best physiques ever to come on stage and you legitimately beat them in the in the prejudging. So I, I just I don't see I don't see anyone coming up. I don't see two people coming up right now that are battling like that close. We that got a tough. little taste with the Kai Green and Phil Heath battles, right? A little bit, but it wasn't I don't think it was the same. Uh, as you and Ronnie, I don't, I just don't. Probably for multiple reasons. Do
0: you think the magazines made this a better rivalry than social media? Uh, how did you follow this rivalry back then? Were well, you you magazines. weren't at this
1: contest, right? No, not at that one. No, um, I you you followed all you had were magazines, and you had there was a website back in the day called Muscle Time. Yes. Remember, you had to pay like 2 bucks a month for it. I didn't know you had to pay for it. Yeah, it It wasn't free. Okay. But Muscle Time had all the pictures and all the stuff on there. So, And then slowly it transformed into Get Big and Muscle Mayhem and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, we still waited for the magazine to come out. And you would see on some of these other message boards, somebody would type on there what was going on. But we didn't have social media to, to to push things this way. Did
0: you know who I was? But yeah, because yeah. you had met me in Southern states. Back yeah,
1: yeah. No, I knew who you were in
0: '96 or something. Right.
1: Uh, the year the the year before. Yeah. Okay. No, I I had met. Uh, yeah. No, I I followed it all since. I would say '97. Is it amazing that people still talk about this year? Well, no, because it's like it's, they talk two about icons. 2001,
0: right? Yeah. And they talk about what could have been, and and what did you say? Would there's, Tell there's me the conversation people, you just had with J-Mac when we came in here and you talked about like, this. Like,
1: when I when I look at this picture, there's, there's a thousand stories to it. It's not just a picture of two guys, you know, doing a front double bicep. When I look at this, I think, you know, at that moment in time, Ronnie was trying to cement – he was trying to build his, you know, legacy. But you were the guy that was coming up that nobody knew of, and – you made a name for yourself that at that point, just let's let's just say you would have won that show. Mm-hmm. So now Jay wins the Olympia. What happens next year? Does Ronnie Coleman come back furious and be amazing for the next five years and then you get second? And then what happens if one of the other years, Lavroni or someone else came in and they got second, and you got third? Like it could have changed the whole trajectory of your career. I mean everything. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Ronnie was looked at as like the GOAT and here this guy is that keeps just nipping at his heels and just right there right there right there it built your brand up and it built your legend so when you did beat him it was it was it just exploded your career so this moment in time here the jay cutler we know today might not have had the same outcome right now at this moment in your time if you would have won that show mm. we don't know i mean you might have won two or three and then and retired and you would have said, I'm done. And you might have went in a totally different direction. You might not even be involved in bodybuilding. You might have made some investments and said, you know, I'm, I'm not around. But so the, this this picture to me has, there's just so many directions it could have went. Yeah, I mean,
0: it, it built up my confidence. So I took a month off after this contest, and then I started training for my first Arnold Classic victory. Yes. Uh, 2002. And then, of course, I skipped the Olympian 0-2 I decided you know, do the Arnold and the Olympian 03, and that's when Ronnie came back like a monster, right? But I can tell you that my training was so on point during this time. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by on point is anytime I went to the gym, I had the craziest pump, the best progress, and I was eating like crazy, and my body would just absorb the food. If you said to me well what what was your calories like I mean I was eating like a 1000 carbs a day every day and I was still in that kind of condition. So when you can eat that much food and everything just clicks there was no pain I was young enough where I was in the prime of my bodybuilding career. People always ask what's the prime age, right? I think the body peaks when it's in the late 30s yeah. depending on when you start, right? Yeah. But I feel like that point like was my body was so fresh and so yeah. absorbing. Anytime I went to the gym, I didn't have to train with extreme weights. I just went in there and I just did the same routine. And and what I want to point out is like from day one I started training working under Chris Assido to the day I retired, I basically ate the same food. I trained exactly the same. People you always still think eat the this, same food. I know, but that people think that you need to change things. And I'll be honest, I didn't have to change anything. I literally like ate the six meals a day. And granted, I went up to seven sometimes, you know, sometimes 10, depending on off season, but it was the same kind of foods, but the training each week. So if I did chest on a Monday and I started with incline dumbbells and then I went over to flat flies and I would do the same order of movements Every single week. To this day, you train with me. Yeah. Do we ever really change things up? You always up?
1: start with an incline. Yes. incline hammer or hammer. Yes, hammer now for so, safety reasons. So
0: do you have to change your workouts all the time? No. I don't think so. If you train with enough intensity, like there's only so many things you can do. What if you're training at home or you're training at a gym that doesn't have the equipment? Yeah. You're very limited, right? If you're doing dumbbells. So what do you do? Dumbbell incline, dumbbell flat, dumbbell decline, de- decline, flies. Mm-hmm. Pullovers. I mean, yeah, pullovers. I mean, there's only so much limitation you have. So I think people expect you, and I notice that a lot with people that I train, they expect things to change so much. And yeah. I don't feel like you don't you have to tra- change as often as people think. Like now we have these new techniques that people are the Internet's opened up all these different types of training, right? Yes. We went through this with, like, the heavy-duty training with Dorian Yates. I mean, how much did you change up your training? Like, did you look at routines from the magazines, or do you look at routines on social media and say, you've never said to me, as we've trained for how many years, yeah. hey, why don't we try this exercise? Because I saw it
1: on never, right? Never. I, I, always, I always just knew what worked for me and what I – you know, look, and I, I trained – just because I. But enjoy how did it. you learn? Um, did you I learned, read a book, or did you no, follow the gym, I, or did I, someone I looked, teach you? I or? looked at I looked at stuff in the magazines, but I think for me, I would do certain movements, and I knew what worked. It what I felt comfortable with in doing, and I just stuck to those. You know, if I went if I went and trained chest today, I'd be doing the same things. The only difference is, I don't go heavy on the flat bench anymore. Why? Because I have a I have a shoulder injury. Okay, and. I used to train. I, I, I know I overtrained when I was younger because we used to go from, we would start off on the flat bench with one plate on each side. And then you'd add a quarter and then two plates and a quarter and three and a quarter, then four. And sometimes go up to four and a quarter. That's, you don't need to do all that. Yeah, yeah. But we do that. We do that for incline and then we do dumbbells, incline, decline. Like I trained too much, but I learned that there's only so many movements you can do for a muscle. You don't need to do all these crazy. I'm going to do this certain thing at a certain angle or whatever. It's like no, just go grab weight and move it. I think as you get older and you transition, maybe you need to adjust it. Like the weight for you, sure. You
0: don't you don't free bar squat, and the reason no. you don't is because you have a shoulder injury that yes. you can't hold the bar. Yes, I right. Can't. And I just watched a video of Brett Wilkins. Yeah,
1: and he had these straps. That's the the sissy bar. Yeah. Oh, okay. It goes. It goes over, and you can grab it from the front. Okay. Okay. And and I've done. We we had that. David Baywood and I would do that in in Wisconsin. So this is how you. I could do those. Okay. For some weird reason, and I don't know if it was the the way the weight was on my neck. I used to get dizzy from it, even if I did one plate on each side. But there is times we would do it. We'd go up to like three plates. But for me, I just I'd rather do the hack squat. Or I'd rather do like one of the squat machines. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a pro bodybuilder, so I don't need to go lift some crazy heavy weight. But but yeah, as, as you get older, you gotta you gotta work around. Yeah, things see, you can I haven't really do. adapted to
0: those. Like I don't. I, there's a lot of like hack squats. We still do. We still yep. deadlift. Yeah. Uh, we do T-bar rows. We don't do a lot of bent barbell rows, no. which I used to do. Which we probably should. You know, yeah. like re, I like the reverse grip. But everything was very simple. Yeah. And I, I would go in the gym and I would do the same routines every week. And I, I was on the Olympia stage almost winning and eventually yeah. won. And to this day, I still do the same thing. So to go back to what I was like, the diet still like I had egg whites this morning, two whole eggs and Ezekiel bread. I had some cottage cheese. I had um, t- two slices of turkey bacon yeah. and I had uh, cream or rice from Pride Foods, you know, so. I had that, and then I have trifecta meal, so I have chicken and rice. It's, everything's like, and then I'll have some, some red meat probably yeah. at some point today, bison and rice, you know, from trifecta. So it's like I have, like, that set schedule that I follow for 25-plus years. Yeah. And I just think that everyone's always looking for a different
1: answer to success. Do you, do you think with some of the physiques now, like, That there's too much machine work? I think there's too much machines. I think it's
0: overeating. I think it's too much cheating. I think all of it, all that. Yeah. Dude, I would starve, man. I would starve. I talked about eating a thousand carbs. I'd still be hungry. Yeah. I remember being like, I can't wait to eat. And people would be like, What the hell are you talking about? Eat. You're eating three cups of rice and whatever. But I'm like, Nah, I just want to be able to eat like, you know, less and then just like, more fats or whatever else, right? I just was on this super low-fat diet, so I would literally have, like, protein powder or fish at the time and rice or, you know, pasta or whatever else. That was what I was eating. I literally dieted for that show on a lot of protein powder, to be honest. So people say you can't get lean and can't get muscle. What show is
1: it? This is random. What show is it? I remember you telling me you drank, like, Diet Mountain Dew. That, was that the show? Yeah. Where you said, I just stopped, I drank, cut it out the I night I drank
0: 12, 12 a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I drank 12 cans a I remember. Day. I remember asking. You, you that, with...
1: J-Mac? Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I remember him telling me. He was like, because I was like, yeah, this was this was like 20 years ago. You and I had this conversation. I was like, yeah, I like diet soda. You're like, there's nothing wrong with diet soda. It's just caffeine and water. And I was like, shit, Jay Cutler told me I can yeah, drink yeah. it. And he's like, man, I drank a 12-pack a day. And then the day before the show, I just cut it out, and it sucked. Drink I will tell you the craziest <laughs> oh. concoction ever.
0: <laughs> okay. So Chris Aceto was, when he wrote my diet, when he uh-huh. wrote the diet out, he would write, you know, 100 car- C for carbs, 50 yeah. P for protein. That's his diet. So yeah. meal one would be, it was just numbers and carbs and protein. No fats, nothing. That's what he would say. So meal one through six today is going to be this. Yeah. He said, I don't care what you eat as long as you reach your your macros. Yeah. Which is what, what they call now. We didn't call them back that, that <clears day. throat> It was just carbs and protein. Yeah. So one of my meals, bro, I would mix protein, two scoops of protein, 50 grams of protein, with Coca-Cola. Oh, my God. Regular Coke, okay? And I had a ice machine in my house like that would crush ice with the refrigerator, so <laughs> I'd mix it, and I would eat it out of a bowl, like it was cereal. So, and I would eat it and I, because you know, I love to chew ice. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would literally have my side of white rice. I had a rice cooker. I had basmati rice and I would put honey on it. Mm -hmm. I would cut up asparagus. I would put asparagus inside of it and I would eat that on the side. I would pour honey all over it for the X. I would take, you know, a couple tablespoons of honey and I would pour it on just to reach my macros for the meal. And that's one of the meals I would eat: Coca Cola mixed with chocolate protein. Wow! Regular Coke,
1: like what's it all clumpy
0: and chunky? Yeah, but that dude, I just
1: sucked it down, man. I would mix it up in the bowl, and I would eat it. Sometimes I'll take, I'll take, like I'll boil water, and I'll put like two cups of boiling water, Mm -hmm. and then I'll put two scoops of protein, and then you know make it liquid, and then I'll pour that over oatmeal. Okay, so then it's like it tastes like I'll use like your marshmallow yeah, protein. Yeah. It takes like a marshmallow milky. A lot of people, oatmeal. a lot of people do yeah. that, but no one mixes Coca Cola and chocolate no, protein that's ever. disgusting.
0: But it goes back to, I eat not for taste but for function. But at what at what point did you go? How did you go? I would you need the sugar from the Coke? Yeah, and it's the only thing I had. You know what I mean? I didn't have like I didn't have Gatorade that day. I got into. Powdered Gatorade because it was Dextrose, right? Yeah, so I used yeah. to buy the big things at Costco. Instead of just buying a bottle, like, from the store every day, I, the, the cheaper version was to just get the Dextrose from, you know, yeah. and just pour
1: it in, and I would mix my Gatorade that way. That's how I get a lot of my see, calories by like, drinking it. You see, it sounds like something you do when there's nothing left. Like, when I was a kid and we were broke, uh, we, we I would have cereal, and there'd be nothing, and I'd put use water with my cereal. <laughs> it was disgusting. But I never
0: thought to pour Coke. Yeah, I... I I just, you know, and people used to see me funny. I was trained at Crunch and Kaleidoscope off the 5 Freeway. And I used to walk out of the gym uh-huh. when I was like three, four, five, whatever weeks out with a, with a can of Coke. Uh-huh. And I remember people looking at me being like, dude, you can't do that.
1: Uh-huh. I'm like, I got this. Don't worry, you know. You know what I think? When you say that, I think of those old Battle for the Olympia videos and Marcus ruled get done. And he'd go outside and he'd start smoking a cigarette. Really? <laughs>
0: yeah, he'd start smoking a cigarette. And you say you can't do that, but <laughs> yeah. that was very common overseas. Yeah. But Or
1: he'd be drinking warm beers in <laughs> Germany. You beers. know, and
0: I and I hate to 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 break the news to everyone, but that's what I was doing when I looked like this.
1: So the rule of the thumb is, kids, if you want to look like Jake no. Cutler, go drink Coke and
0: That <laughs> I felt I should have had a Coca Cola sponsor at the time. Did you try? No, I didn't try. But but this is this is this is you know just shows that there was no cardio for this show Zero. Zero cardio. I don't do cardio and I don't get in shape. Zero cardio and I train twice a day, so I would do the large body part in the morning and a smaller body part at night, and I was able to. Do you think not doing cardio
1: it, it, it helped keep you? It kept me on you. full. Yeah. for sure, but
0: listen, I think if I did cardio, I would have been in better shape. I would have been more competitive with Ronnie from the back, and I probably would have won this show, but would it have deflated my muscles? But yeah, more. would you have been smaller and that's the, that's the problem. I don't know if I had enough mature large muscle because remember, I grew a lot in those those years from ninety nine two thousand two thousand and one Now I was seeing Steve Murphy too doing deep tissue out there, neuromuscular therapy. Um, if you guys are ever in the Orange County area. Look up Steve Murphy because he is unbelievable, like, at neuromuscular therapy, and I give a lot of credit. I would give a percent of my success to Steve Murphy because yeah. he would work me every day off and, and work the fascias and open up all my IT bands, and he really really helped me with my shoulder yeah. growth and my biceps. I mean, look at my arms there, man. It was just, yeah. you know, those are the years that everything was just firing, and, you know, I look back on those days, and those are the best days of bodybuilding you know, people might think winning the Olympia were the best days, but I was starting to endure some of the uh, the injuries as I led into the Olympia uh-huh. and the victory. But these were the days where there was nothing. It was no guest appearances like crazy. The mail order wasn't crazy yet, and I could focus fully on being a full-time bodybuilder. And that's what made me so great. When I became busier and I became more of a businessman, it actually hindered my bodybuilding career some.
1: I say that to when when people that don't follow it as much will say, well, how come so-and-so doesn't look as good? They're Mr. Olympia. You know, they should look better. Why are they off? And it's like, dude, some of these guys for the last seven months, they haven't had more than seven days where you get to sleep in their own bed. And when you're on the road training, you're not training as hard as you normally would at home because you can get hurt, yeah. and you're not getting the the types of food that you normally want. You're subject to okay, what can what's the best option for me to get while I'm here? Because they didn't have meal prep, so you might not have gotten six good meals, in. you might have said, "Oh well, I got to grab a, I got to go to Wendy's and grab some chicken fillet or something." Mm-hmm. And you know, so I think, uh, yeah,
0: good old days of bodybuilding, bro. Orange County, California. Lisa Viejo moved to Vegas. My life became busier, got surrounded by, you know, more of a posse, and, and uh, you know, more people wanted to train with me. And I always did best by myself on my own schedule. Yeah. That was how I, I really clicked, and, you know, I was hungry. I mean, Ronnie motivated me a lot then. And back then, you used to wonder, what does my competition look like? Yeah. And as you see, you know, we did those Olympia – you know, Battle Force DVDs, but we also did our own stuff. But it was really, really uh, a better time because I feel like you worked your ass off because you weren't sure how everyone else was looking, right? Yeah. Now Whereas people today, leak stuff, so you know. Yeah, so they leak stuff, or you hear rumblings, or you can go on someone's social media and, and see the story and say, "Oh, this guy's face isn't sucked down as much," or yeah, you know, this and that, and everyone that, if, and everyone the,
1: fixes their pictures too. You know, was that the year that Roddy came out with the unbelievable? Mm,
0: maybe no, two thousand. I think he came was out it? with yeah, unbelievable. But that's the year he pulled the flag out of the trunks, which the props were illegal. Yeah. And even after this, like, they tried to nab me for the diuretic test, and I sued them and Yeah, I remember. What what happened with that? I mean, they were doing this crazy diuretic testing then, and everyone was still using diuretics, but they just weren't on the the banned list or whatever else. And they claimed I flunked on, like, five or six different diuretics, which was total crap. And uh, I went against it. I said, you know what, I'm going to fight it. And I ended up fighting it and won because the samples were poor. Um, they weren't taken care of properly and I'd end up getting my money, but they wanted to take the 60 grand from me, you know? Yeah. And that was my first big paycheck. Remember? Yeah. I mean, I just had bought my house in California and, you know, I was doing really well. I was getting a lot of guest appearances at the time, like, you know, at shows and the guest posings. And I was starting to build a career. And, you know, after this, my, my, my career just went through the roof. I mean, everyone wanted me to come out. Of course. And, you they know, they usually had
1: you and Ronnie.
0: Yeah. And I had just signed a great deal with ISS Research, which later became oh yeah, and uh, you know I was taken care of very well, and I started to make really great money. You know, back then, you know I was probably making a couple hundred grand a year on but from bodybuilding, which was uh, amazing for two thousand one. Yeah, it's twenty one years ago. Yeah, there's guys that don't make that now. Yeah, you know. So for me, it was it was a great uh, great opportunity, and you know I do miss the old days some. Um, you know, but this is this is why I posted this. I woke up to this this morning and said, you know, I yeah. want to post this. Of course, Ronnie commented on there too. Yeah, he Ronnie, said, "Yeah,
1: buddy." Ronnie's someone that people always say, "We need to get Ronnie on the podcast." We'll we got, we'll get him. I said, "Trust me, Ronnie would be like one of the the best people to ever have because you and him can talk about stuff that you've never talked about before." When's the last time you and Ronnie ever sat down and really? Talked like that, yeah. I wonder how much areas he put he puts.
0: Yeah, buddy, on there. It you know? <laughs> got Kai yeah. Green on there. The gods of Olympus too. On, yeah. You
1: know, like I was, I was. We were talking off camera before, and I think this right here is what kind of started that standard. You know, and we talk about that now with like, with talent and brands and and how they represent themselves. And you know, when you go, when you go to a company and you do a deal with a company, the top talent sets the standard for that company. So if Cutler Nutrition has a, an athlete, if you're not Jay Cutler and you sign JMAC and he's not doing what he can do to make that company the best it can be, he's setting that standard for every other person below them to not, if they're if he's not doing his post and he's not doing his marketing, all you're doing is giving an excuse for the people at the bottom to not work as hard. Mm-hmm. But it all comes back to, at some at this point, you started setting the standard for you as, hey, I'm a top two guy in the world, and I'm here. And obviously we knew you were here to stay, and you stayed at that top two for a, over a decade. But you set that standard. It's not just a, a, me saying this isn't just setting a standard for a brand, but you set a standard for you, but you've taken that and you've used it in every aspect of your career as well and that's why you're still yeah I just
0: try to do my job you know and it's like when muscle tech brought me on I was like the top guy right but you know I I had a standard to to be right and I think you know uh, my kind of reputation spoke for itself I was always professional I mean I and I started with like just not getting involved and you know I'm not one to speak on like a lot of drama politics or whatever else and I'm still kind of that way on where I'm reserved on how I speak through my social media channels and whatever else. Um, but when I get involved with a company I try to represent, and as you know, most of the brands I have um, equity or, or yes. whatever, I mean, almost all of them at this point. So for me, I, I want to represent to the fullest and and set the standard for the younger generation coming up. And people say, how do I get the contracts or how do I get noticed or, you know, it all starts with today, your social media, okay? Course. What, how you handle it And it's simple. It's not social. a lot of work. No, it isn't. But it does take time. It does. And you have to correspond with your fans. You know, I, I still could get better at going down and liking comments and, and and commenting. I think that's part of the job, too. I mean, it's not just about posting this um, picture this morning. Yeah. You know, I have to spend time today now to go through and comment on a couple things, like, like the Ronnie Coleman thing and... Yeah. I, I just think it's exciting, um, you know, when you can watch your your audience grow, yeah, like by the numbers, where you weren't really sure. But when you were in the magazine, like you didn't know how many people were viewing your stuff, right? How many people you picked no up clue. the
1: book? But now you
0: can kind of like, oh man, I got a visual that many likes. I mean, it's got seventy thousand likes. I think now, if you know, ref- just think, just think about this, Take,
1: kind of remove yourself from it for a second and think, this was a moment in time twenty one years ago, and people still talk about it to this day.
0: That's what I just said to you. Yeah. I said, I said, can you imagine people still talk about two thousand one, and you just wonder, like, there's when, kids when, talking when about I'm, that weren't alive when I'm sixty. Well, no one, I mean, seventy thousand of those people. Yeah, there's a there's probably a hundred people that were like present there. You know what I yeah. mean? Or even like followed it in yeah. the books then, and it's just legendary the times and. I'm just so thankful to be part of that, man. It's it's uh it's kind of like the the pioneering of, of what bodybuilding was. And you're right, it's kind of set the standard and I still think I look better in that shot, by the way.
1: ah, <laughs> huh, J Mac, I don't know. What do you think? That that's that's one of the that's one of the shows where the argument, you know, people always have their opinions on who should have yeah. won or blah 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 or where they should have placed. That's one of the shows throughout history where I think the argument that you should have won is greater than the argument that you should have not
0: won. As it gets further away, it becomes more and more. Too, that's just right? my, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying the judges were wrong,
1: but I wasn't there. I wasn't there in person to see it, and I know it's different. And I'm you know we always said this: people nowadays that see pictures of Ronnie and you. It wasn't like that when you saw it in person. It was different, you know. Like even nowadays, they'll go, "Well, Ronnie was a certain size, but how would he have stacked next to this guy or this guy?" And it's like, dude, if you didn't see these guys in person, yeah. it's not the same. I know as you the would
0: like. Listen, you can sit here and and I want you to tell our viewers or whoever's listening, you're a Ronnie Coleman fan, right? I, I mean, think we're. I was a fan of everyone, but you, you of course.
1: I yeah. mean, he was a he was an absolute how, monster. How right? can't you be a fan of that? You know. It's it's Ronnie was just we'll never see another person like him. He was a genetic freak that do you think Phil Heath was more genetically
0: gifted than Ronnie Coleman? Yes. Yes.
1: I think he was more gifted. Do you think
0: Phil's physique is overlooked at being the greatest physique ever on
1: Olympia stage? I don't think it's overlooked because I just don't think he's he wouldn't have he wouldn't have beat Ronnie. I, I think don't. some years he could have been. Well, if Ronnie them. was off, of course. Yeah, yeah, But if you took Ronnie's best and put him next to Phil's best, what shot does Phil beat him? Yeah.
0: He it wasn't as big, you know. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it was a size thing. Yes. It's still a bodybuilding and, show. And I think the pictures are a little confusing for people <laughs> yes. because when you stack a pitcher next to a pitch like they look comparable, but yeah. it's so different no. when you're on stage. And that's why, like, you know, like we talk about, Dexter was more ripped at certain shows or yeah. – You know, Chris Cormier was more symmetrical, but the overall sheer mass, right? And if you know, there's different. There's different from Marcus Rule mass to my mass or Ronnie Coleman's. Like everyone looked at Marcus and they say, "God,
1: he was bigger," but you know, it just didn't flow as great. Yes. If you if if you took pictures of Phil and Ronnie and put them next to each other, you can make a lot of arguments. But like you said, if they were standing next to each other, Ronnie was forty plus pounds bigger than Phil, and he's only a, a two inches taller. It just, he would have just overwhelmed him with the width more than anything. Just Phil, have like one of the, I've always, I think Phil has a top five physique of all time for yeah. sure. There's but I just of, there's a lot of top five. You yeah. Know? But. I mean, Dexter Jackson's arguably one of the He should best. be in there too. Yeah. But I just, just, Ronnie was just yeah. different. You know, he was just different, man. Tell us what
0: you guys think. I mean, I want to know uh, if you guys want to comment. Um, Who is the greatest in your eyes? I know we're going to get Arnold arguments here. Of course, we're just talking about straight physique, straight physique. um, We're going to be coming up um, on. We're going to do our Arnold preview at some point. Yeah, in the next couple weeks, Uh, we have a couple other guests we're working on right now that we have a surprise for everyone. But I wanted to once again thank everyone. We're approaching uh, ten thousand subscribers, so. We are going to do a 10,000 subscriber giveaway, okay? And we'll talk about that as we when, when we, we break it and how we're going to choose that person. But we're going to pick someone. I think we'll probably base it off YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, for YouTube channel um, and kind of pick out, you know, maybe a couple people. But, you know, we're at almost 10,000. We want to thank you guys. If you aren't subscribed, please like, comment, subscribe to the channel, uh like we said cutler cast we, we just spoke about like kind of our projection on what we want to do yeah. over the next few months and so we have some really cool stuff
1: we're yeah, working we, we, for we're gonna we're you know we listen to it i'd read all the comments and see what yeah. people say and we'll definitely uh we're gonna get more people involved yeah that's the easiest way to say it.
0: so I appreciate you guys uh for episode 23 uh we're signing out and uh, we'll see you guys for 24 at the end of the week